You're walking home alone through the dark, foggy London night. There's lamps here and there, but you can't see much. You pass the famous Highgate Cemetery, crossing the street just for good measure. Whistling, you try to ignore the cemetery, but you sense a presence, almost as if something's staring at you. Risking a look, you turn your head to the cemetery to see a tall, gray figure hovering above a tomb, staring directly at you. His eyes are piercing and glowing. You sprint home and lock the door, safe for the night. Welcome to Fangs and Folklore. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things monster and paranormal. I'm a horror writer from the depths of the haunted swamps of Louisiana, and I welcome you to my frightening world. Please check out my books on Amazon.com, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. It's volume one in the six-volume Gravedigger series. The Gravediggers are a punk rock band with no musical talent whatsoever, who keep falling uh, into predicaments crossing paths with all sorts of monsters like vampires, werewolves, zombies, and uh, all sorts of other wicked things. It's horror comedy, it's super entertaining, and it's available, all the volumes are available uh, on Kindle, in paperback, and an audiobook, and soonish they're going to be in color, uh, full-color hardcover special editions also. So check those out. Here we are in the Fangs and Folklore studio in the basement of the abandoned castle in the middle of the haunted forest with our brick wall behind me, and I've given up trying to figure out what the stuff is on that. I'm just going to say it's rust and leave it at that. All right, so if you know anything about me, you know that I like vampires. Of all the monsters and supernatural lore and, and creatures and ghoulish things of the night, <clears throat> the vampire is certainly my favorite for many reasons. In past episodes, we have discussed vampires of history, and especially vampire scares of history, as far back as ancient times, ancient Egypt, ancient Sumer, all the way to Rome, Greece, and then the Middle Ages. You know, it's easy to imagine some superstitious medieval peasants in some foggy rural little village, farming village in the middle of nowhere in Romania, believing in vampires. And we've talked about that. They would dig up a body, it looked fresh, uh, wasn't decayed, they would you know, stake it, and they would say that the person was coming to visit them at night, and it would cause a mass hysteria. The whole village would get a vampire scare, and everyone would go crazy, start staking corpses. You can imagine that in those times, but did you know that there is a modern vampire scare in good old London? London, that ancient city that today is a uh, financial center of the world and very modern, advanced, thriving. Yep. In the uh, 70s, there was a, 1970s, there was a vampire scare in London. And I'm talking about, of course, the Highgate Vampire. You may or may not have heard of this case, but if not, then you're in for a treat. So Highgate Cemetery, it's a cemetery in uh, North London, and there are about 170,000 people buried there and about 53,000 graves. That's a lot. It's not as much as St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 in my New Orleans, which has the most bodies, I think, in the world, but it's a lot. Um, there's the west and east parts of the cemetery, and um, <clears throat> it's also a nature reserve. It's, it's beautiful in a, in a gothic way. So the cemetery is in its original form. It's kind of a, a wooded area, a forest. It began in 1839, and it was a plan in London to make seven large modern London cemeteries in 1839, modern for then, called the Magnificent Seven. And they were outside in that time of central London. They were in kind of suburbs at that time. London since then has eaten up all of the suburbs into one giant megalopolis. But yeah, so the, um, so, uh, the initial design of the Highgate Cemetery was done by architect uh, Stephen Geary. Okay, so uh, a little bit of history. The first person buried there was Elizabeth Jackson of Little Windmill Street, Soho, on the 26th of May, 1839. 
first burial there. And it became in the Victorian age kind of a fashionable place for burial. And so the Victorians, they kind of, you know, they, they saw death as a part of life for many reasons. And so they, um, their attitude toward death was kind of respect, awe, and of course sadness. And so uh, they built these spectacular Gothic tombs all around the cemetery. Now, it's on a hill, uh, Highgate Hill, next to Waterloo Park. In, in 1854, uh, 19 more acres were added to it and um, across the street, across Swains Lane. And so both sides of the cemetery, west and east, are still used today for burials. It's a forest, and there's trees, flowers, shrubs, and most of them grow wild. If you know English gardens, they like to let things grow wild. So the grounds, you know, there are many birds and small animals. It really is kind of a forest. And the a charitable trust, the Friends of the Highgate Cemetery Trust, now own it and operate it, set up in 1975. Okay. Some famous people are buried there. A lot of people who are important in British history and from other places. One example is Douglas Adam, who wrote The Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you, if you like that book, he's buried there. Another person there, buried famous, is Karl Marx himself. That's right, Karl Marx. He's buried there with a tomb that has his you know, bust of him on the top. Uh, I've been to London several times, but I never have been to Highgate Cemetery, much to my chagrin. Next time I'm in London, uh, I would like to spend at least half a day there, maybe a day, and I don't know if it's possible to do a ghost hunt in Highgate at night. They probably close it at night, but man, if that were at all possible, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? It's supposedly really haunted, and the, the Gothic tombs is just the perfect setting for a horror movie or horror novel. There's actually a house in the cemetery where people live, like a real house, uh, named Valhalla. I'm going to show you a picture. It's, it's, yeah, some people live there. It's for sale right now, I think, for like 3.8 million pounds. And um, would you live there? It's all glass, too. Like, day and night, you look out at the tombs. be creepy, but beautiful. I think I just might live there if I had the opportunity. And I've seen inside of it. It's very, uh, pictures of the inside of it. It's very nice, very modern inside. All right, so the story begins in, um, on 31st October 1968. There was uh, a group of young people around the area, not more than one group, interested in the occult and even in black magic. And uh, they went to Tottenham Park Cemetery, which is another cemetery, and it was regularly vandalized, grave robbers. And what they did there is arrange, okay, quote from a newspaper, these persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing toward a new grave which was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed, in quotation marks, but their most macabre act was driving an iron stake in form of a cross through the lid and into the breast of the corpse, close quote. So there is some vampire hunting activity going on in a nearby cemetery that early. Uh, these youths, whoever they were, uh, started kind of this vampire mythos in the area, all right? Now, there were some desecrations of bodies also in Highgate Cemetery. Um, evidence, too, of black magic being practiced there. We'll talk about that in a bit. So in March of 1969, the British Psychic and Occult Society got reports of a tall black person or thing or ghost, you know, stalking around in, uh, among the tombs of Highgate, Highgate Cemetery. Um, and there was uh, the first witness here, well, there's a couple of things that happened. One, there was a man who claimed he was walking around there at night, saw a figure, and he was hypnotized by it. He said that uh, he kind of, you know, he felt evil presence emanating from it, and he got turned around and lost, you know, ran, like a horror movie, right? You're running, and 
and it's just, you know, panicking and your heart's racing and you're breathing fast and you get lost and, you know, oh my God, you know, trying to get out of the cemetery. He spun around at one point feeling something and he saw the figure right there and then the figure disappeared. This man was an accountant and he was very logical. Uh, so he wasn't superstitious. Now, I don't know why he was in a cemetery at night. <laughs> this is a good question. Not long after, two uh, teenage girls were walking home on Swain Street, uh, Swain Lane, which again runs through the cemetery. And they saw, they claimed they saw spirits of the dead rising from their graves. Moreover, um, they found, well, I'll talk about that in a moment. Again, there was an older woman who claimed she had been uh, seen a tall, dark man, quote, tall, dark man, close quote, with, quote, glaring eyes, close quote, while walking her dog inside the cemetery gates. So I guess if you live near there, you know, walking your dog, you might step right in just a little bit, you know, whatever. Now, local newspapers like the Hampstead and Highgate Express uh, ran articles about this. In February 1970, ran an article with the headline, Why Do the Foxes Die? Now, what was happening here, foxes were found with their throats cut all over and around the cemetery. And um, some people suggested that's proof of a vampire. Others said it's evidence of black magic, occult activity in the cemetery, which it likely was. And... Um, some people said, no, the foxes were killed by the vampire, you know, their throat, and maybe he couldn't get human blood, so he needed some kind of blood. And other people, uh, uh, such as David Farrant, 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 I don't know how it's pronounced, of the British Occult Society, who would become a big player in this case, he said that uh, probably black magic practitioners had trapped these animals and sacrificed them. Um, now, this same man, David Farrant, in a letter to the newspaper, said that he was walking by the cemetery, Highgate Cemetery, and he saw a gray figure, a tall gray figure, he considered to be supernatural. He asked around, heard several stories of ghosts and seeing figures like this in the cemetery. And most of them, many of them were described as a tall man in a hat, which is what he saw. Other kind of ghosts were a woman in white, a face, and then a figure wading into a pond, a pale gliding form, bells ringing, and voices calling. Okay, that's the, the quote. Now, another man interested in this was Sean Manchester. He was kind of a weirdo. He, he was a writer and author, self-proclaimed exorcist and vampire hunter, as well as, uh, according to him, uh, a priest of the old Catholic Church, whatever he meant by that. And so um, he also did an investigation and, with some friends and wandered around the cemetery. They, they spotted, sorry, the, they saw the apparition also, tall, gray, or black with a hat. So... Um, Again, Farrant Fellow, he writes uh, again to the newspaper, said he had evidence of the vampire and satanic activity. That, that's what he was thinking was going on. Um, his team, Farrant's team, was invited to investigate the cemetery, and um, they declined. The society declined, uh, I guess, because they didn't want to. They wanted to be taken seriously, and you know, poking around a cemetery at night for a vampire at that time was not something that people would take seriously. But Mr. Farrant, he did uh, personally investigate the cemetery on his own. So Sean Manchester, right, uh, a self-proclaimed exorcist, that guy, uh, he was in an interview along with Farrant on a TV show, and he was convinced that it was a vampire, like a real, real-ass undead vampire like Dracula. He, um, he, on the show, took out a stake and a cross and made a big show of it, right? And so, uh, um, and said he was going to find the vampire and stake him. And he said, quote, I'm prepared to take any means necessary, close quote, to get rid of the vampire. Now, P. 
people saw the TV show and they were fascinated. So the next night, hundreds of people showed up at the Highgate Cemetery with wooden stakes and crosses and shovels and all that stuff to go on a vampire hunt. There, there was a police tape around it uh, to protect it, but they broke through it. And um, they basically went in and started hunting around. Several of them said they saw something crawling around in the dark, which is a creepy image, and they run, ran out screaming. And then um, one of them, Mr. Anthony Robinson, said, quote, I walked past the place and heard a high-pitched noise. Then I saw something gray moving slowly across the road. It terrified me. I've never believed in anything like this. Now I'm sure there's something evil looking in Highgate, close quote. So they went on this kind of sensational hundreds of people vampire hunt where some of them claimed to have seen some things. Some of them opened up a couple of tombs. One of them opened up a tomb and found a coffin. It looked like uh, the lid had been moved, so he opened it, and there was a corpse, and he was going to stake the corpse, but his friend convinced him not to. So there was some activity there, um, you know, by these people. Now, Ferrant, at this point, he believes in the vampire, but he, he thinks some of the sightings are caused by mass hysteria, which we'll talk about later. Uh, in 1970, two schoolgirls uh, were walking down the, the Swain Lane, and they in the middle of the road was a hundred-year-old corpse of a woman. She wasn't a hundred when she died. The corpse itself had been buried for a hundred years. It doesn't give her age. She had been taken out of her coffin, head had been cut off, staked through the heart, and left right there in the middle of the street. And imagine two teenage girls discovering this, my God. I mean, I would freak out, but imagine those poor girls. And so police got involved. Um, there were other claims. One woman claimed she, uh, she saw a tall pale figure in a black cloak who threw her to the ground. Um, and this was the first time that someone had claimed an, uh, you know, an aggressive act by the, the vampire. So far, it had just been sightings. Now this woman's claiming that it threw her to the ground. So there was, if she's telling the truth, there was some danger there. And uh, now the, the Psychic Society or the, the Psychic Research Society agrees to, to do a seance in Highgate Cemetery. They said, quote, if successful, a rite of exorcism could then be performed to banish the entity from the earthly plane, close quote. Now, uh, Ferrant and the members of the society went into the cemetery, drew a magic circle on the ground, uh, salt and water, lit, lit some candles, and then they were starting and they heard some voices say, what's that? Turns out they were real human voices of police. <laughs> so they got, grabbed their stuff and ran. Ferrant was caught and uh, arrested, detained, you know, so it's a minor offense, but he was arrested. Now, Manchester, Sean Manchester, went back to the cemetery. He, um, he's the one, actually, who, uh, no, yeah, he's the one who opened up a tomb and drove a stake through a body, actually. So he's, he's the guy who claimed, who's a self, you know, self-claimed vampire hunter. Um, he then left garlic in some, some tombs as well as some incense. Uh, what's interesting is that Mr. Florent and Mr. Manchester became kind of enemies, Ferrant saw Manchester as like this kind of nut job. <laughs> he thought he was this exorcist and vampire hunter. Manchester saw Ferrant as, I guess, kind of um, not believing enough. And um, uh, so they decided they were going to have a magical duel on Parliament Hill, Hampstead. <laughs> they were gonna, it never happened, but they claimed they were going to have a magical duel. I hate to laugh, but I can just imagine these two nut jobs with wands screaming at each other and waving their wands around. Um but that never happened, and basically, uh, eventually, one of them died, and they just died. He died as enemies, and nothing more of that. Now, Ferrant himself wrote many things about the uh, Highgate vampire. Everything I'm about to read to you is directly his quotes in writing. 
I can't read all of it because it's pages of stuff, but I'm going to pick and choose some stuff. Um, he says, first it became apparent that the stories of an apparition in Highgate Cemetery had by no means begun with the current sightings. Indeed, similar tales dated back to the Victorian era. Interestingly enough, many of them had vampiric connotations. Perhaps the reason for this was that Stoker himself had possibly been influenced by the existence of something in Highgate Cemetery. Uh, when he wrote Dracula, he said he makes direct reference to Highgate Cemetery um, as, the, as where one of Count Dracula's disciples uh, is dead, is buried. Um, he goes on to say that um, uh, Elizabeth Sidal, who died in, 19, in 1855 and was buried in Highgate Cemetery, was exhumed in 1862 to uh, a relative wanted to say that there were some poems buried with her that the relative wanted. That's a weird weird reason for exhumation, but um, one of the witnesses described that the uh, body was undecayed with luxuriant red gold hair that practically filled the coffin. Uh, so that would have been 1855, 1862. So it's almost 10 years after she's buried. 10 years in a London cemetery, you're going to have some decay. I mean, you have to. Um, uh, London gets cold, but it doesn't always get cold. It gets hot too. And there's nothing that would, nothing in, in the Highgate Cemetery that would naturally preserve these people as mummies, like in some parts of the world. So that's interesting. He said that she was undecayed and looked living. Um, all right. He goes on to say um, um, that uh, one thing seems certain, however, whatever formed the foundation of the original sightings predated the Victorian area. Era. To begin with, uh, Stoker's reference to vampires almost certainly suggests that he was familiar with the local tales by then already in existence. So the Victorian references to vampire tales implies that they had heard them already. Mm. And um, now in the 15th century, so 1400s, Highgate was used uh, as a mass burial ground. It wasn't a cemetery, but it was a mass burial ground, a plague pits for victims of the Great Plague. Uh, it was at that time a village outside of London. And uh, the victims were, you know, brought, brought there by the cartload, buried there. Mm, he goes on to say, um, To the present day, the investigation also uncovered another fact of great significance, which alone possibly provided the key to the current, current spate of hauntings. Exploration and subsequent photographs taken in the cemetery confirmed beyond doubt that satanic masses had taken place there. Furthermore, it became apparent that these masses had been conducted with great professional style, some in a maze of catacombs that ran beneath the cemetery and were not the work of misguided amateurs. One particular tomb hidden deep within the heart of the cemetery had been converted into a small temple. Uh, he goes on to say it had an inverted pentagram, magical symbols, was in regular usage. Mm, he also says that these magical symbols, particular ones, could only be used in a rite dedicated to one of those most malign deities to rule amongst the old kings of hell, and that such a rite could only be performed by the highest of adepts, for no amateur would be capable of calling forth this deiform. In fact, in accordance with satanic belief, this entity could only be summoned to the earthly plane if it was to perform some mission, could not return until that mission had been fulfilled. It therefore was quite feasible to assume that the cemetery phenomenon was an evil entity. Okay, He says a lot of other stuff um, about it. So Ferrant believed there really was a malicious supernatural entity there. I think what he, oppo uh, what he opposed in Manchester, Sean Manchester, was just the show showiness and nonsense of him, you know, dressing in a cloak and running around with a stake, you know, that kind of stuff. But Ferrant did believe that there was a real evil um, entity there, evil spirit. Now, uh, there have been various sightings here and there in modern times, but the vast, vast majority of the sightings of the Highgate Vampire have ceased for the most part. 
around 1970s. Well, Victorian era, again in the 1970s uh, for years, and then they kind of ceased. Every once in a while, someone will claim that they saw the Highgate vampire. I went to find some photographs of ghosts or vampire uh, photos in Highgate Cemetery. You'd think there'd be a ton of them, but I couldn't find many. I only found three. Um, I've seen these photos before in books about Highgate Vampire. I regret that I could not find the name of the photographers to give credit. That being said, they were definitely taken in Highgate Cemetery because they're Id identifiable landmarks in the photos. So let's take a look at this first photo. This one allegedly shows a ghost to the left of the photo as circled there. There seems to be some sort of mist there. What do you think? In cemeteries that are said to be haunted, you know, it's very easy to feel like ghosts are around and Pareidolia can kick in. That's, I've discussed that before. It's when the brain makes patterns where there are no patterns, like seeing shapes in the clouds. But see what you think. Here's an enlarged portion of the photo where the alleged ghost appeared. Now, when you enlarge it, it does kind of look like a misty human form peeking out from, you know, behind a tree, doesn't it? So what do you think? Is that a ghost? Is that the Highgate vampire? It seems like a pretty authentic ghost photograph. And I did a previous episode of Fangs and Folklore about ghost photography. If you want to see how I judge them if they're uh, authentic or convincing or not. Okay, that's the first photo. Second photo, show you this. It's a dark tunnel in Highgate that may show a figure in black standing there. It's hard to see, so first take a look and see what you see. This is the original size of the photo, undoctored, unmarked. Give you a couple of moments to look. You can pause the video if you want, but look in the tunnel and see if you notice any kind of humanoid form there. I had to look carefully, but eventually I did. Now, I have enlarged the photo and circled the figure in blue. So do you see it now? It looks less like a misty ghost and more like a negative entity. Keep in mind that when negative uh, evil spirits, negative entities, demons, whatever you want to call them, appear in photographs or with the, you know, to the eyes, they always appear in black. Gray or black, but usually black. Okay, third, here's possibly the most famous photo of the alleged Highgate vampire. Let me show you this one. This one uh, you can find around. It clearly shows a dark figure with a pale face staring at the photographer. I could not find the name of the photographer, but I've seen and read about this photo more than once before. The claim is that the photographer was this man that he was walking and saw the figure. He kind of stopped. The figure was standing there staring at him like a showdown. He, you know, he quickly got his nerves, took a photograph, and then after that, the figure left. I think it maybe walked. I think he said it walked to the left behind some graves, and then he could never find it again. So that's a famous and interesting photograph. If there are more Highgate ghost or vampire photographs, please let me know. I, I'd love to see them. You can uh, post below in the YouTube comments or email them to me. I'm going to flash my email address here on the screen. If you're listening and not watching, it's matthew.miller.writer at gmail.com. Matthew with two T's, .miller dot writer, W-R-I-T-E-R at gmail.com. That's matthew.miller.writer at gmail.com. Alternately, you know, like I said, leave links in the YouTube comments. I'd be very grateful. I might say eternally grateful. Ah, oh, yes. So what are some explanations for the Highgate vampire? I will start with some natural explanations and proceed to the supernatural. First, it could all be a hoax or a prank. When you're dealing with the supernatural, uh, if you remember my Ghost Hunting 101 video, which you can find on Fangs and Folklore, I talked about the fact that with the supernatural, you're never going to really have a scientific investigation of ghosts or the supernatural. It, it can be, you know, it can be real and it can be scientific in the sense of, of being as serious and professional as you can. It's never going to be empirical because you can't repeat it in a laboratory, can't be, can't be falsified, 
can't have a control group and so forth. So it wouldn't be hard for a prankster to dress in black, paint their face pale, you know, run around the cemetery at night scaring people. It's always possible. One maybe objection to this idea is that many objectively scientific people have also seen the vampire and, and claimed that it emanated a, a clear, malicious, malevolent, uh, evil feeling about it, like an atmosphere. One of these was that accountant I talked about. Um, so that's one explanation, just a big hoax. Second, pareidolia, as I explained, think about it. It's night, it's dark, it's in a cemetery. If you have, any of the, if you have the slightest belief in the supernatural, uh, if you're superstitious at all, you're going to feel kind of scared and spooked, right? I mean, even people who don't believe in the supernatural, when you walk through a cemetery at night, it's still kind of creepy. There's dead bodies all around you. And um, many perfectly natural objects in the dark might look like something else. Think, think about it. Highgate Cemetery is filled with these tombs, beautiful Gothic tombs, some of them large, some of them have angels or human figures carved into them, uh, all sorts of stuff. So pareidolia is absolutely possible. I can see, you know, I can imagine that happening. Now, if you see movement, that's different. Um, like the, the people who went that night with the hundreds of uh, vampire hunters invaded the cemetery, said they saw something crawling, something black crawling around. That, that's different. But you see a, a tomb in the, um, you know, you see a tomb in the background, and you, what is that? And you already are kind of in a hyped sense. Okay, pareidolia possible. Third, mass hysteria. Now, mass hysteria is simply something when a group of people are told something highly suggestible, and something they may already believe in or want to believe in. In that situation, it's very easy to convince them of something that is not real. Uh, I, I'm not going to say we saw that recently in U.S. political events, but I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so think about it. A group of self-professed vampire hunters. It's night. You're excited. You're with your friends. You've been at the pub, been down the pub drinking. You go out. Well, it's not hard to convince you that you see something, right? look, don't you see that? And maybe you don't, but then you want to. So, uh, yeah. And then you tell other people and soon there's mass hysteria. Mass hysteria doesn't have to be people like wild, like bacchanalian murdering and eating one another. It could just be something like the power of suggestion. That's what mass hysteria means. Possible. All right. Now to more supernatural explanations. First, a ghost or a negative entity, some might call them demons, could be mistaken for a vampire. Negative entities especially appear black when they manifest. And so a tall black figure in a cemetery could be mistaken for a vampire, sure, especially if it's been suggested to you that a vampire is there. Next, perhaps the people practicing black magic in the cemetery, which they really were there doing it, maybe they really did conjure some sort of evil thing. A demon, an ancient pagan deity, it's always possible. It'd be, it would be easy to mistake such a thing for a vampire, wouldn't it? Many such deities have vampiric qualities uh, about them. Um, drinking blood, eating people. Uh, finally, you know, here's the, here's the simple explanation. Maybe it really was a vampire. Maybe the black magic practitioners used black magic to raise a corpse, to, to raise a vampire. Maybe not. Maybe there really was a vampire living there. Maybe he still does, he or she. Well, he, it's always appeared as a man. Maybe there is a vampire in Highgate Cemetery. Maybe he sleeps in his tomb during the day, comes out at night to feed and to hunt. It would, after all, be the perfect place for a vampire to live, wouldn't it? Think about it. It's huge, you know, geographically large. It's also filled with this tomb, countless tombs and hiding places and catacombs underneath. Many people avoid it at night. It would be difficult, frankly, for a vampire there to be found or caught or discovered or killed. If this possibility is true, if there really is a vampire, then that would, of course, 
explain all the sightings, the feelings of malice and evil, its alleged ability to float, its living in a cemetery, and you know, attacking people, and so forth. So there are the possible explanations in my mind. What do you think? Do you think the Highgate vampire was a real vampire? Was it a demon? A ghost? A manifestation of an ancient pagan deity by black magic practitioners? Was it something perfectly natural? Was it pareidolia? Was it just a hoax? Was it some, some drunk guy in a black coat running around saying boo? I don't know. Let me know in the comments below what you think. Or again, send me an email at matthew.miller.writer at gmail.com. Now, before you go, one last thing. I wasn't completely honest with you about the lack of photos of the Highgate Vampire. When I was preparing this episode of Fangs and Folklore, a very reliable source contacted me and said, I have a photo of the Highgate Vampire that I recently took. He took it about a month ago. They emailed me this photo that they had taken a month ago in Highgate Cemetery. They claim you can see a vampire in it. Now, I studied it very carefully. I'm going to show you in a moment. I had to study it very carefully, use the magnifying glass. Finally, I saw what they were talking about. I kind of tend to agree. Let me show you here and see what you think. Here's the photo. Haha, <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, yes. Nosferatu. Have a laugh there, a little laugh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Highgate Vampire, what do you think? I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for watching Fangs and Folklore, and as always, sleep well if you can. Uh -huh.